So, uh, July 4th. <clears throat> Let's just get this out of the way. I'm not all that enamored with it. <laughs> you had a good system going on, you kicked us out. <laughs> I hear, why is he saying that? He's British, he's Canadian, he's all of those things. Actually, uh, my wife and I have three passports. We have a British passport, a Canadian passport, and a U.S. passport. Three citizenships. Um, and I've loved every country that I lived in, but I've said this many times. I'll say it right now. This is the best place I ever lived. <laughs> really enjoy it here. So I want to thank everybody that was part of the July 4th parade. Uh, people that helped put the float together. People that walked. It was, thank you God, it was a little bit cooler. But still, it's Texas. So... It can only be so cool. We handed out hundreds of invitations for VBS, so please keep that in your prayer. And we're number three. (laughs) Hey, it was good. It was all about handing out the invitations and and connecting and touching with people, and, and that's just exactly what we did, so that's great. We've got a lot going on this morning. We have communion, we have baptisms today, so that is really good. Fits right in with what we're talking about. Uh, we're going to be looking at a passage from Acts chapter 10 this morning. We're going to look at the whole chapter, Acts 10, and uh, this fits in with our series, Being Me. It's all about being the best me that I can be, and the best me I can be is the me that Jesus Christ created me to be, Right? The best you can be is the you that Jesus Christ created you to be. And that's what it's all about. And a lot of that stuff comes down to our roots. So we're going to talk about roots this morning. I'm reading from Acts chapter 10, New Living Translation. So if you've got your Bible, uh, please turn to that. It'll be up on the screen. And it's, it's an interesting, it's significant, because this is where the good news of Jesus Christ was officially released to the Gentiles, to the nations. And for most of us, that's our heritage. We're Gentiles. We talked about this last week, what a Gentile was. It was the nations and came to be understood as everybody who wasn't Jewish. And the good news got brought to us. So if you've got your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 10. It says, In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants, and he told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. So a few notes to... uh, Take note of here, if you've got your, did anyone not get a sermon insert and want one message insert? Yeah, one there. Phil over there. Anybody else? It's a couple of points. 
Cornelius is part of a very prestigious unit, the Italian Regiment. And they were usually involved in guarding high-ranking officials. So Cornelius would have influence in high places. He's an officer in this, in this unit. Now somehow, someway, we don't know the details, this Roman officer has become a devout follower of the Jewish God. It would not have been his God. In, in Rome they had numerous gods. But he's now in Judea. And there's been influence on his life. And at some point he has chosen, he's decided, this, this Jewish God, this seems like the real deal. And he is a devout man. Devout means dutiful. I, he, he lives out his faith. He puts his faith in action. He prays regularly at the prescribed times for prayer. Now, let me just talk about that for a second. There are no prescribed times of prayer in the Bible. In fact, the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Pray all the time. And obviously, you know, there's reality in that. I'm not praying right now. I'm talking to you. But pray, pray, pray. But back in the day, the, the rabbis taught the people that there were three prescribed times of prayer during the day. The third hour, the sixth hour, and the ninth hour. In our time, that would be 9 a.m., which was the third hour for the Jewish calendar, Jewish day. Noon was the sixth hour. And 3 p.m. was the ninth hour. So every three hours... They would stop and pray. And I don't know what the signal would be. Maybe a bell would ring or there'd be some kind of a signal. Everybody would stop and they would pray for these three times. Now, it's not a biblical thing. It's not a bad thing, though. A reminder to stop and pray three times a day. I mean, it would do us all kind of pretty good if we put that in our phone, wouldn't we? Got a reminder... uh, At 9 a.m., pray. A reminder at noon, pray. A reminder at 3 o'clock, pray. So prayer becomes a regular part of your day. Not just when we need something. I think it's kind of neat. All of his house... Oh, he gives generously to those in need. He is living his faith. He is devout. And all of his household are God-fearing because he lives it. He shares it freely. He tells them all about this, this God. Man, you've got, you got to get, you got to know this God. So he is a man of good character. Is, is the image that I get of Cornelius. He is a man of outstanding character. He talks the talk and he walks the walk. Now what is so significant here, and I think is so interesting, is that God notices I think sometimes we wonder if all of our good works, our prayers, you know, does it really matter? Absolutely it matters. God notices. He notices his prayers. He notices his devotion. He notices his works of service. And and he comes back and sends the angel and says that your offering, your giving to these people, these poor people have come to God as an offering to him. What did Jesus say? Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. Cornelius, he selects a couple of specific people, two of his household servants and a devout soldier, all believers. He tells them this story. You've got to be a believer, haven't you? Angel appeared. Uh-oh. What's Cornelius been drinking? An angel appeared to me. 
started talking to me, said that, that my offering has been recognized by God and, and, and I've got to send you guys to Joppa to, to go see this guy called Peter, Simon Peter, who's staying with another man called Simon and bring him back. Now, the distance from Joppa, from Caesarea to Joppa is about, the, about 35 miles. I looked at it on the map. About the same is from here to Duncanville, on the south side of Dallas. They're walking. They're walking there. They're going to get Peter, and they're going to walk back again. 35 miles, a good day's walk or more. So verse 9, it says, The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon. Prescribed noontime, prayer times, 9 o'clock, noon, 3 o'clock. So Peter is still following his Jewish roots. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. These are Peter's roots. This is his history. This is what he's grown up with. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven, and Peter's there. He was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? I mean, I can imagine Peter's kind of like, what is that all about, God? This, This doesn't make any sense. I don't know if there's a link between praying and being hungry. I know that um, never go shopping when you're hungry. It's not good. <laughs> I come out with everything. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that looks good. That looks good. I don't know. You know, he's hungry. It's prayer time. And he gets his vision of all these animals come down, kill and eat, kill and eat. But he's got Jewish roots. He's really rooted in his past. He's following the Jewish roots for diets. Why? Because it's all he has ever known. Why would he change that? He's there at the prayer time. Why? Because it's all he's ever known. Why would he change that? And what he's being told goes completely against all that he has been taught. And he's trying to make sense of it. It says, just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. Do you ever wonder how that happens? Like, you know, being sensitive to the, to the Holy Spirit is one thing. And learning to, to, to discern what is of the Spirit, what is of me, what is of the world, that's something that you, I think you learn to do. But this is a, like, did he hear the words? Peter, get up, go downstairs, there's some men there. Oh, okay, no problem. Don't know. 
So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? So he still doesn't know what's going on. Still doesn't know what the vision is all about. Doesn't know why these people are here. They said we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. Next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. Now, Peter's cluing in here. Because it wasn't right for a Jewish person to invite Gentiles into their home. Now, it wasn't Peter's home. He was staying there. They knew, too, that this would be an issue with Peter. So they're kind of currying favor. Cornelius, he's very popular with the Jewish people up there. Really nice guy. So, that you know, they're kind of painting a nice picture. And an angel appeared. I mean, that would kind of, okay, better listen to this. So they qualify who Cornelius is. He's a devout, God-fearing man, respected by all the Jews. An angel appeared. Peter invites them in. One of the things I love about this story is the intersecting lines of people's lives. You know, sometimes you, you, you don't know how God is working sometimes. You know, as these people approach the, the, the place, the, the Holy Spirit is telling Peter, these men are here. He doesn't know why. Sometimes God sends you. Sometimes God calls you. Come and do something for me. Go and do something for me. And it's just so interesting sometimes that as you're going, he's got somebody else. And boom, there's this intersection, this point. Boom. The God point. There's a, something is happening. Verse 24 says, they arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. Now, I don't know if this is because he's, he's heard the reputation of Peter. It could well be that. Or because the angel had appeared and said, go get this man. He's got a message from God. Maybe there was something in Cornelius that thought, Peter must be an angel too. So he falls down to worship him. But Peter pulled him up. (laughs) Get up, you idiot. (laughs) Said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, you know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer Think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you have sent for me. So he's walked the day, you know, in obedience. He's had these men come into his home. He's gone into their home. Why? He's still waiting for the why. Now Cornelius, I mean, this guy's pleased as punch. He's got all of his friends there. He's got his close relatives. Peter's coming. Peter's coming. You've got to come. I don't know what he's going to say, but Peter's coming. They're not yet Christians yet, and yet they know about Peter. And there's an interesting dynamic here because we've got a, a Christian Jew, Peter, going to a Gentile Jew's house. It, it, it's all kinds of stuff going on. 
And he's got all of his friends there and he just can't wait to hear Peter. So Cornelius replied, four days ago, I was praying in my house about this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once and it was good of you to come. Now we're all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. No pressure, Peter. My friends, my family, we're all here waiting. Oh, and God's here too to hear the message that the Lord has given to you. We want to hear what he is going to say to you. Now, now just think about the little side note here. The cost of sending this group of men from Caesarea to Joppa All of their supplies, staying with Peter, the cost of accommodation, the cost of bringing Peter and his little entourage back. Who's bearing that cost? Cornelius. He's that desperate to hear what God has to say to him. He's paying for this whole entourage to go down there and get Peter, bring him on back. Man. As a pastor, that's exciting. You know, that somebody would... Yeah, I want to hear what God's got to say. Verse 34. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Secret signals going on here. That God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him And do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel. That there is peace with God through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. Really, this is the good news. So Peter now clearly, thoroughly, 100% understands what that vision was about. God's opened up the door. The message isn't just for us anymore. It's not just for the Jewish nation. The good news of Jesus Christ is for all of the world. There is peace with God through Jesus Christ. Not just for the Jews, for everyone. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Do you remember how reluctant Jesus was to be declared the King of the Jews? Well, part of the reason Jesus was reluctant to be declared the King of the Jews, he wasn't the King of the Jews. He was the King of everybody. He's the king of the whole world, of every nation. He's like, no, it's so much bigger than you all think that it is. I wonder what Peter's thinking right now. I mean, there's got to be a sense of awe. He's come from Joppa. He's come up to Caesarea. He's given the good news to Cornelius and his household. He is on the forefront of something massive. And now he goes on to explain what this good news is. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. 
Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So obviously Peter's assuming, because they live in Judea, you knew what, you all know what happened, right? And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear Not to the general public, but to us, whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him. We're going to eat and drink with him in a minute, in communion. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living And the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. This is good news. That's the good news right there. God is not holding our sins against us. We can have peace with God, not through our righteous acts, not through our good behavior. But through Jesus Christ, it was a brand new thing. Something they had never seen before. This Jesus is bringing peace to all the nations. Eyes up here. It's just the youth. (laughs) You know, if you're not raised in the church, I wasn't raised in the church. this, This would be totally alien to you. Because from the outside, you believe that Christians believe that if you're good, you get to go to heaven. And if you're bad, you don't. That was my view of what Christianity was all about. And then when God got hold of me, which is another story, and I started learning about Jesus and what Jesus did, for, 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 for a long while... I thought, okay, if it's not about how good you are, it's about what you believe. So I thought, I just need to believe in Jesus. And if I believe in Jesus, then I get to go to heaven. And I remember somebody teaching on that, saying, preached out of a passage in James, even the demons believe. Saying, oh, that's not very good, is it? (laughs) No, it's more than that. It's not just what you believe. It's trusting who you believe. It's trusting that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, was sin-free. And when he died on that cross, because he was sin-free, it's death, sin, that separates us from God. But because he was sin-free, death could not hold him. So I'm sure there was three days there where Satan's having a little party. We won! We nailed him to a cross. He's gone. We won! And I don't know why three days. That's God's plan. But three days later, Jesus says, Not so. Not so. I have victory over death. And everybody, and anybody, no matter what your heritage No matter what your sin, no matter what your gender, 
No matter what your history, every single person who comes to me and says, I believe that you lived, you lived a sinless life, that you have the power of forgiveness, he said, I will forgive their sins. And they can become children of God. Romans 10 says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That simple. It's too simple, isn't it? For the longest time, I went to church and I had this whole thing, you've you got to believe, and I'd hear this gospel message every so often. It was too simple. It's like, nah, I, I believe. And then a stupid guy stands up there and says, you believe, even the demons believe. And it's like, Really? And I remember that day and invited. He said, if you're sitting there right now and your heart's pounding, it's because the Holy Spirit is working in you. It's this same invitation that Cornelius had. He said, if you're sincere about Jesus, Jesus is sincere about you. So come and ask Jesus to be Lord of your life. Ask him for forgiveness and he will do it and he will change you. I remember that day, he made an invitation. I was the first one up out of my seat. Went down the front with a group of other people and we prayed and we asked Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. The one thing that I discovered, he keeps his promise. He says, I will change you. I am a changed person because of Jesus. Cornelius was a good, good guy. But he needed something else. He needed Jesus. And on this day, the gospel was given to the Gentiles. I don't know where you're at in your faith. Maybe you're a believer. Maybe you're a skeptic. Maybe you're someone who's come to church, but you've never actually taken that step to say, you know what, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. I need your forgiveness. But you can do that right now. We're going to carry on in a moment, but you can do that right now. And if you've never done that, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. And if you've never done that and you can feel that, Jesus is saying, today is your day. You can simply pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe you came and lived a sinless life. I believe you rose again after three days. I believe you have the power to forgive. Please forgive me. Come into my life and change me. I want to be yours. Amen. So let's see what happens here. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. So this is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized? 
Now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. So he gave orders. He didn't make a suggestion. We're baptizing these people. He gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Baptism is the outward sign, the outward declaration that you have chosen to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Back in these days, it was a dangerous thing because they they weren't at Cornelius' house, Philip the tub Cornelius, we're going to baptize them. They probably had to go to the river or they had to go to the lake to baptize them. For Cornelius, he's a Roman soldier. He's now become part of the Jesus people. That's not a good thing for them. For the Jewish people there, Cornelius and his household, who was a devout Jew, has now become part of the Jesus people. Not a good thing. And to make sure that everybody know, they all marched down to the river, they marched down to the lake, and they dunked them in there, and they come up in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dead to sin, alive to life. And everybody's looking. Hmm. They've gone over to the dark side. But we know it is the light side. This morning we have two baptisms for you. Deanna, are you ready? Sir. Come on down, lady. How long have you been coming to Lakeway, Deanna? Three months now, I think. Three months. And this is Reed. This is Reed. We had a baptism plan for today. I love the way the holy intersecting lines work. And at the end of the service last week, Deanna and Reed came to me and said, he wants to get baptized. So we chatted a little bit. And last Sunday, Reed asked Jesus Christ to be his Lord and Savior. And I said, Deanna, I think you're the right person to baptize him. Reed? Yes? Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. As your prof- as with your profession of faith, stand here, arms together, with your profession of faith, I baptize you by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. David, are you ready? Apparently not. (laughs) There he is. (laughs) We're coming. You're ready. This is David Edmiston, one of our uh, elders here at Lakeway. And a couple of weeks ago, um, without getting into a long story, he was just over a week ago, right? Working on the sprinklers over in the youth building there, and Mark came up to chat with him. Saw church and said, I I need to go up there and and talk. And David and he talked, and David shared the very thing that we heard Peter share with Cornelius. And last Saturday, Mark asked Jesus Christ to be his Lord and Savior. 
So Mike graciously took the first part of this from me. So, <laughs> but that's what I do. The uh, faith in Jesus Christ is something that we we lean on um, without being able to to see it or touch it. But sometimes the Lord gives us opportunities that we can grab a hold of something. We see Him working, and we can grab a hold of that. And I believe that really helps encourage our faith in the things that we can't see and touch. And this is one of those moments for me. Um, last Saturday morning, I had a whole day scheduled uh, in detail of, of how I was going to get through the day. And being up here at that time was not part of it. I was supposed to be here very early in the morning. It just did not work. Um, I got up here just a few minutes before Mark pulled in. And uh, he pulled up and he just said, is the church open? Is there a church open, you know, today? So I started to tell him where some churches were that were having services. And he says, no, sir, I just want to talk to someone. So we went back and we talked for a couple of hours. And in that process, um, Mark accepted the Lord. And uh, we see the Holy Spirit working. I kind of felt the, the same thing as you gave the message. You talked about a God moment. Um, that's ex- exactly kind of how I was looking to start at start this moment, the God intersection. So, Mark, why do you want to be baptized today? I was full of sin and completely lost when he found me. So I owe my life to him, and I'm ready to give my life to him. It's awesome. So do you believe in your heart through faith in Jesus that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that he rose again on the third day to conquer that sin and that spiritual death and that he lives today? Yes. Awesome. So the Bible says in Galatians 3, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all you were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. So Mark, do you believe that you are a son of God today through faith? Yes. So... Through your profession of faith and the fact that you've accepted Christ into your life and you've agreed to follow him and, and clothe yourself um, in Christ after I baptize you in a moment and put on his ways, you agree to follow him the best that you can and make him your Lord and Savior? Yes. Due to your profession of faith and your agreement to follow Christ the best of your ability, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what Mark and Reed are doing today is the beginning of something new. They're laying down some new roots. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. I want to finish up with this little passage of scripture. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. You know, the wonderful thing about coming into a relationship with Christ is that he gives us a do-over. An opportunity to start over, to start fresh, to get some new roots. 
Sometimes you have to deal with the old roots. They don't just go away. Sometimes there are consequences to, to, to the way that you used to live. And those things need to be dealt with. But now you have new roots. You have a, a new beginning. Now most of us here, we've been Christ followers for some time. So what does Acts 10 and this thing with Cornelius teach us about our roots? So I've got seven, real quick, seven ways to keep your good roots strong. And this is in your outline. Now none of these young people over here have an outline. We're out of outlines. All right. They can share the one. (laughs) All right, let's go through this real quick. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. So you must look for where Christ is working and go there. Go there. Sometimes he calls us, sometimes he sends us. We saw that, that... Cornelius had to send someone to Peter. Peter had to go from Joppa to Caesarea. There was a sending, there was a calling, there was a going, there was a coming. There was these intersecting lines. Sometimes you you have to go there. You have to look for where Christ is working and you go there. And sometimes it's inconvenient. You know, what David just shared. He had a schedule for the day, but God was working in Mark's heart. David had to put his schedule aside and go there. Might not be a physical going, it was a spiritual going. It was a time going. He took the time to talk to him. It says, let your roots grow down deep. Let your roots grow down into him. Let them. It's a conscious choice. Allowing our roots to grow down into Christ is something that we have to work at. It takes effort. We have old roots. Peter had old roots. Roots, Sometimes we have roots of fear, roots of guilt, roots of selfishness, of apathy, of disbelief, of doubt. Hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And those old roots want to choke the new roots. So we need to cut off. That's your next blank there. We need to cut off the supply to the old roots. I got Jesus. It's not just a case of adding Jesus to your old way. It's a new way. And if we keep feeding the old way, the old roots, they have a tendency to choke the new. You've got to cut them off. You don't keep feeding them. Sometimes that means we have to take action. We have to to get help to cut those old roots off. You know, I I really wish, and it's easy to fall into this trap as Christians, that, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to come in, just clean me up, and I'm good to go. My friend Chuck and I were talking about this on the way over. One of the things the Holy Spirit gives to us is wisdom. Think about your faith. Think about the things that you need to work on. What help do you need to get to stay strong? You don't get to just sit on the sofa. Oh, I got the Holy Spirit's got it. I don't have to do anything. What's on channel 32? No, there's work to be done. Number three on the list, you must learn to trust him. 
You've got to learn to trust him by acting on what he tells you to do. Peter went. His entourage went. They had to go. They had to believe that God was doing something there. That there was a trust that Peter had. If, if, if the Holy Spirit speaks to me, I'm going. I'm going to trust this thing. You've got to trust him with your time, your talents, your treasures, not just your tongue. I know so many people that can talk up a storm. Oh, God, this, God, that. Yay, God. Woo-hoo! God! But when you look into their lives, it's like, I'm not really seeing a lot of effort except for the, God, God, God. No, you've got to learn to trust him. You learn to trust him by being active in your faith. It says, let. Be built on him. Building is a work. It's an emotional work. It's a physical work. It's a spiritual work. It's, it's a choice. It's, it's to say, I'm not going to be involved in that, but I am going to be involved in this. I'm seeking the right way. And what is this? It is the kingdom. Build up the kingdom. That's what my day is about. That's what my life is about. It's not about building up my kingdom. You see, Peter could have got there and said, well, you're all Gentiles. I'm part of the Jewish people. I'm going to... Now, sorry about that. There's been a misunderstanding. Jesus is for ours. No, he put aside what he thought was the kingdom to build God's kingdom with these people who are outsiders. And I love this. Then, as a result of this, your faith will grow strong. This is a statement. If you do these things, your faith will grow strong. When the roots are healthy, the tree is healthy. And when the tree is healthy, it bears fruit. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They saw the evidence of God at work. When your faith is strong, you look to bear fruit. How can I bear fruit? My faith is good. God has strengthened my faith. How can I help someone else in their faith now? In the truth you were taught. It's past tense. In the truth you were taught. Stay in the truth. Jesus taught that that he was the light of the world. That they would be the light of the world. Not just the light of the Jewish world. They had to stay in the truth and you will overflow with thankfulness. That's the last one. Give thanks. It says that when the Holy Spirit was poured out, they praised God. You know, there is nothing more attractive, I don't believe, to a dark and fearful world than people who live in the genuine joy of the Holy Spirit. And the gratitude that pours out of them. It's very attractive. There's just a countenance to people who are grateful and thankful. They're happy. I was driving along. I don't know what it was. The Holy Spirit, I guess. Just this week. I can't remember where I was going. I was just driving along. And I just started praying. And I was just, God, thank you. I was thinking back on my life. And I said, God, you've been so so good to me and that you know that doesn't mean that everything in my life has always been wonderful five years ago my son took his life I didn't chalk that one up as wonderful but at the same time I know where he is 
And thank you, God. Thank you for your blessings. I want to share that with as many as possible. Do these things and your roots will go down deep into Christ. You will bear fruit. Gratitude will be natural for you. So let me sum this up. You got to go there. You got to cut off what is not healthy. You need to learn to trust Jesus. We need to learn to trust Jesus. Build up his kingdom. Bear fruit and give thanks. Amen? I have two baptism certificates here. So if I could get Deanna to come on up and read. That was pretty, pretty enthusiastic there, Reed. I like that. He's, I mean, that was pretty good. So let me tell you something that's kind of neat. The Bible says that when somebody asks Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior, do you know what happens in heaven? Yep, but there's something awesome. They have a party. Yeah. So last week when you said, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, the angels are up there having a party. Woo! Read! They're all giving each other five. It's awesome. You now are my brother in Christ. Can I get someone to take a picture? Oh, come on. Come on. The official photographer is right over here. Come on. Come on over, Deanna. Thank you. Can I have Mark and David come up, please? They were partying for you last week, too, Mark. Thank you, sir, for taking the time. There we go. Mark, you don't need a certificate of baptism. Baptism is something you do, but we're Baptists. We like, we like certificates. <laughs> Welcome, brother. I want you all to be praying for Mark. I want you to be praying hard for Mark. Tomorrow is first Monday prayer. Um, he's having a tough time. And he needs your prayers. So I'm asking you all, if you would put a reminder in your phone. Hey, do the prayer time. 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock. And pray for Mark. All right, my brother. I don't have a mic, so I'll try to be loud. One thing I forgot to say is, due to the way that, that we met, um, as Mike called it, uh, God intersection, I truly believe God has a plan for Mark. He's not done with him. And I look forward to seeing what that plan is down the road. One of the reasons I wanted to set the service up this way today is um, communion. And Mo is going to come up and lead communion in a moment. But for Mark and for Reed, brand new Christians... This is their first communion with Jesus. So if you would come up, Moen, please lead us in communion.